0: My purpose here is not to make anybody afraid or frightened or worried or anxious. Because when all this is over, we know that if we're Christians, we end up ruling and reigning with Christ. Amen. So take comfort in that. But knowing that, we have to realize as grown-ups, as adults, that this life is not just a cakewalk through the, as Tiny Tim said years ago, tiptoe through the tulips. You know, that's just not the way it works. Bob Willoughby told me a joke yesterday, said there was a guy in a pastor's church always asking the pastor, hey, pray with me about this, pray with me about that. I am struggling with this. Pray with me, pray with me, pray with me, pray with me, pray with me. Finally, one day, the guy just wore the old pastor out pray with me all the time, day in, day out, week in, week out for years. Finally, pretty much about the same stuff. Finally called the pastor one day and said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. And the pastor said, Stop. He said, I done prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for you. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to face hell like a man. (laughs) I about fell off the couch. Sometimes we have to to face things. And, of course, we don't want anybody to face hell, but We have to face things and deal with things in a way that will enable us to have, listen to this now, an accurate understanding of what we're dealing with. If you're deceived, how do you know? That's a powerful question. Now, when it comes to end time prophecy, there are a lot of incredible things that the Bible says. I mean, they're they're astonishing things. They're amazing things. The world as we know it, once this prophecy wheel kicks into motion, the world as we know it will never be the same again. And one of the reasons I knew the world wasn't going to end yesterday is that the world never ends. Not until Jesus remakes it at the end of all things. So you never have to worry about planet Nibiru crashing into the earth and destroying it. That's not going to happen the bible does say though there will be a new heaven and a new earth because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away now what i want to do for a few minutes is i want to read you some scriptures that have to do with the end times and i could read a lot of them and i'm not going to read all of them because i got to walk through this but i want you to pay close attention to the scriptures and all this has to do with the timeline This this is there's a lot of discussion going on in the ecclesiastical pastoral circles I even had a pastor contact me this morning and asked me What do you think about this part of end times because he's preaching on the end times too? How do you feel about this? What do you feel about this this occurring here or this occurring there and we corresponded for a few minutes and he said that he agreed with what I said not that that matters, but the point is there's a whole lot of conversation in ministerial circles about eschatology. And eschatology is basically 50-cent words, simply means the study of end times things. So if you have your Bibles in whatever form you possess them, grab those and, and I used to say turn to, and years ago you'd hear all these pages turning, now you don't hear anything as people have their keys silenced and you just, so punch up <laughs> Matthew 24. If you wanted to ask God father I've heard everybody's take on this end time things what's your take you tell me from the horse's mouth what's going to happen Matthew 24 is where you turn because this is Jesus telling us what's going to happen okay Matthew 24 verse 1 Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings do you see all these things, Jesus asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. That happened around 70, 68 to 70 years later when the Romans destroyed the temple in A.D. 70. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. So the first sign of the end times is deception. It's never been more prevalent than it is now. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. David Koresh, I can name Sun Yung Moon, I can go on down the list. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. You can spin a globe and pop your finger down and almost anywhere you put it, there's some kind of conflict going on. But see to it that you are not alarmed. In other words, don't be afraid. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. We've seen that in higher prevalence than we have ever in history going on right now. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. How many earthquakes have we seen? Just in the past couple of months, hundreds, hundreds of many quakes And of all places around Idaho, weird, had one in Oklahoma not too long ago. Of course, they had another one in Mexico this morning. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then, verse 9, you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. More Christians are being martyred today in the Middle East than I think ever in the history of the world. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. How did it get to be okay to be a Muslim in America, but not okay to be a Christian? At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Many what? False prophets Oh, Planet X is going to crash into the world. Elvis is alive. He and Marilyn Monroe have gotten together and given birth to new dinosaurs in the Nevada desert. You know, you just don't know. This, <laughs> Look at verse 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Wow. Wow. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, I believe that the next verse referring to the book of Daniel, I believe that every prophetic key in end times events is probably contained within the book of Daniel. And this is one of them. So when you see verse 15 standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel. Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the housetop go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get their cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath For then there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. Now, that verse 22 would not be there if it did not mean that the elect would not have to endure some of this. We just don't know when or what or how much. Or to what degree at that time if anyone says to you look here is the messiah or there he is do not believe it for false messiahs and false prophets will appear and are you ready and perform great signs and wonders to deceive if possible even the elect see i have told you ahead of time now the book of revelation clearly states that the false prophet who is part of the unholy trinity, the beast, the false prophet, the antichrist, is going to call down fire from the sky and the whole world is going to see it. Now, I've had a lot of pastor friends tell me that, that that's a counterfeit miracle. The Bible doesn't say any such thing. You go back to those five words when you're talking about end time prophecy. What does the Bible say? The Bible doesn't say anything about a counterfeit miracle or some kind of a trick. It, it called down fire. The devil does have power. So, for, the, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And here's a verse that is kind of a haunting portent to the Battle of Armageddon. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation or this race, another way to put it, will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son. And I might just add, nor anyone on social media or YouTube, (laughs) but only the father, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the son of man. From the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Now stop right there, and let me just tell you something. Over the last few months, I've done a little personal survey. When I check out at a grocery store or at a different kind of store, sometimes, not every time, but sometimes I would ask the cashier, How do you feel about a a chip being implanted in your hand to to scan and all your secure stuff be on the chip? And she said, oh, most of them, oh, that would just be wonderful. It'd be so convenient. (laughs) Listen, people are not prepared to go through the first three and a half years of the tribulation. Now, I want to say that again. The church in America is not prepared. To go through the first three and a half years of the tribulation now the assemblies of god of which we are a part the official position we have on eschatology is that the next great event in bible prophecy is the rapture and after the rapture then the seven-year tribulation begins really my whole thesis today is is based on the question of the timing of end time events Do we have that wrong? I want to tell you, there is absolutely no question from the book of Revelation that there is a rapture about midway through the the tribulation. That's hard in Scripture. Um, The Bible does not say, however, that prior, it doesn't say it clearly, prior to the tribulation, the rapture occurs. That's not in black and white but we know for a fact there is a catching away in the middle of the tribulation now i've always preached i've always taught and i've always believed that the rapture occurs first and then the seven-year tribulation begins now be aware that the tribulation is basically two three and a half year periods of time that transpire concurrently let me give you the timeline as we see it now in terms of how this thing's going to flow, and I'm going to do it with volunteers from left to right. So I need somebody to come up, and don't, don't make this take a long time. Just come up. I need somebody to come stand right here, and you're going to represent the rapture, okay? I need somebody to stand right beside them, and you're going to represent the first three and a half years of the tribulation, okay? I need somebody to come stand right here, and you represent the midpoint of tribulation. A lot of things happen three and a half years into the tribulation. Hey, I appreciate you guys helping me out here. I need somebody to come stand right here, and you're a real troublemaker because this is the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Don't make me wait. Come on, give me a volunteer. Come on. Come on. Come on, Longshanks. Troublemaker. All right. Somebody come right here. You represent the second coming of Jesus Christ. Okay. Uh, somebody come right here. You represent the Battle of Armageddon. Y'all are taking too much time. I need somebody. Come on. Thank you. See, they're fighting already. Prophetic. <laughs> Battle of Armageddon. I got to tell you, you're going to lose that one. Um, yeah. I don't know. David and Goliath, you never know. Um, I need somebody to come stand right here and you represent the 1000-year millennial reign. <laughs> the 1000-year millennial reign. I need somebody to come stand right here and you represent the great white throne judgment. I need one more person to come stand right here and you represent the new heavens and the new earth and the holy city. Dave, you're big enough to deal with all three of those. <laughs> so All right, now this is the timeline. As I've taught it, as the assemblies of God believes it, and as most prophetic teachers, I can't say most, yeah, probably most prophetic teachers in America believe. Now, I will tell you this, the rapture happening before the seven-year tribulation, first three and a half years, midpoint, second three and a half years, the rapture happening here is a uniquely American thing. Almost every other culture places the rapture here at the midpoint of the tribulation. I even know some assemblies of God leaders now that are starting to say they believe the rapture is gonna take place at the midpoint of the tribulation. But let me just go through this real quick, and then I got a lot of ground to cover. So the rapture happens first the way we've always believed it, and still do, still do. This message is what if, because there is a possibility we're wrong. I just wanna let you know this. There is a possibility that the rapture happens here. Just straight up, we could be wrong about this, and I want to be honest with you about it, okay? Rapture, first three and a half years of the tribulation. Midpoint of the tribulation, a whole bunch of things happen. I'll talk about those in the message in a few minutes. Last three and a half years of the tribulation, I hope and pray and I believe none of us will be here for this because there's, it's just going to be hell on earth, literally. It really, it really is. Uh, about 65 to 75 percent, of every human being on the planet is going to die here over 5 billion people 5 billion people will die during this time okay here we have the second coming of jesus christ the first time at the rapture he does not come to the earth he appears in the air we rise to meet him in the air and we go to heaven for seven years Or three and a half, whichever that may be. So Jesus does not come all the way to the earth in the rapture. This is not the same thing as the rapture. This is the second coming. So when people talk about the second coming, it's actually in two parts, the rapture and the second coming. At the second coming, Jesus actually comes to the earth. He sets his foot down on the Mount of Olives right outside Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives is going to split in two, and water is going to flow out of it. And Jesus, using force and power, is going to set up his kingdom in Jerusalem for 1,000 years. But first he has to fight the Battle of Armageddon. And that's when in the Valley of Megiddo, over in the, the Middle East, in the Valley of Megiddo, the soldiers gather. <laughs> Work with me here. Shake your head, darling. Um, I, just want, I just want to play in that. It's just awesome. <laughs> the blood flows for 200 miles, 6 feet deep. It's going to be a vicious battle, but it's going to be fought by Jesus. We will come back with him. Jesus will fight this battle, the Bible says, with the sword from his mouth. Now, I don't think Jesus is going to come down here teeth clenching a samurai sword going, I don't think that. I think he's going to speak words and people are going to die. The word of his mouth, the sword, okay? So then we have, after the battle of Armageddon, Jesus sets up the 1,000-year millennial reign. For a 1,000 years, he rules and reigns from Jerusalem. During that 1,000 years, Satan will be bound. He will be bound in the bottomless pit. Only one opinion. Now, I look forward to this so much. Only one opinion in the whole world is going to matter during this time, and that's Jesus' opinion. I have already made application with God for the position of director of natural resources. Don't bother to ask that's mine. If you hunt or fish during this time, you got to have my permission. <laughs> all right. This is the great white throne judgment, and the final battle with Satan. There's other things that happen here. There's a final battle with Satan where he's thrown into the lake of fire. Never hear from him again. But the next big event is the great white throne judgment where all the wicked dead that are in hell, all the wicked dead are resurrected and judged again and thrown into the lake of fire. Even hell is thrown into the lake of fire hell is not the final place of judgment and all this is firm the lake of fire is the final place of judgment just like just like we don't die and go live forever in heaven the final place we live forever is the new heaven the new earth in the holy city of the new jerusalem that comes out of heaven down to the earth so we actually spend eternity on the new earth in the holy city not in heaven and that's clear in black and white. That's not my opinion. That's not interpretation. That's clear in the Bible, okay? Thank you, guys. Give these guys a round of appreciation. Now, I've, I've taken a lot of time with that. But the, the thing of importance about this message is when do these things occur? Mainly the rapture. When does the rapture occur? Is it at the beginning of the tribulation or is it at the midpoint? I don't believe it's at the end. I believe it's either at the beginning or at the midpoint. But there's a huge difference between these two. There are other things that we might not be exactly right on. And one that I'm deeply concerned about is the mark of the beast. I'm very, very concerned about this now uh, based on all the his, historical eschatological teaching that i've received and i've studied and all that the mark of the beast is supposed to make its appearance at the midpoint of tribulation what if we're wrong what if it doesn't start on exactly the midpoint what if it starts two years earlier and and morphs into what's it what if it's beginning now which i think it is uh and, and is, is the, the, the platform, the template is being laid for what's being presented now to become the mark of the beast. There are a lot of things about the mark of the beast that even the average Christian doesn't understand. If you don't hear anything else I say today, now I want you to pay attention to this because this is important. One of the most important things you're ever going to hear me tell you about end time prophecy and your eternity. Now listen to me, don't be thinking about nothing else right now. I'm serious. If you take, if anyone takes the mark of the beast in their hand or in their forehead, you can never be saved. You are going to hell. There is no hope if you take, listen, I want to say this again. There's no forgiveness if you take the mark of the beast. There is no hope. There's no second chances. There's no forgiveness. There's no salvation for you. Well, I won't take the mark of the beast. Yeah, but that's easier said than done because without it, you're not going to be able to buy or sell anything. And so a lot of people, and and nobody is going to get on CNN or Fox News and say, tonight we introduce the mark of the beast. It's not going to come on that way. The Antichrist in Brussels is going to tonight crank up the beast system and introduce the mark of the beast and we're all going to worship Satan. (laughs) That's not going to happen. It's going to be called something else. The Antichrist is not going to be called the Antichrist, except by Christians who they're going to brand as right-wing lunatics. So I want to talk to you about what to look for and what what to think about. And what if we're wrong about some other things? What if we're wrong about the appearance of the two witnesses? What if about the timing? What if, we're, what, if what if these things aren't so clear and cut and dry as we've been taught all our lives? What if it, What if it's more overlapping what if they're what if it's amorphous and nebulous and and not as clean and crisp around the edges so here's here's i want to share these seven signs that you need to look for number one you need to look for a chip implant in your hand or forehead that begins to be implemented why does not matter this uh, that that last statement why doesn't matter Now, listen to me. I want to tell you this. I want you to hear me again. You cannot take a chip in your hand or your forehead for any reason ever. And here's why. When it first comes out, it might not not actually be in God's sight, the mark of the beast. But it could become that. And if you get in this on the ground floor and you've got something in your body that can become something other than it was originally presented and it starts out as something relatively innocent and innocuous and all of a sudden it morphs into something more. And once you've got it, you go to say, Oh, come get your, come get your, uh, come get your financial records. Uh, we'll just load them onto your chip. Microprocessor and then you can buy or sell at a grocery store. You put your hand on the scanner It scans your ID and that and they read the top and get your financials and they charge you People in America are already taking chips to get in and out of their workplace To open doors at the at the corporate buildings where they work Why is this going to happen? Well, I'll tell you why last week if you don't know this the biggest security hack so far In the history of our country financially took place 150 million people personal credit and financial information including their social security numbers was hacked in the equifax hack let me let me say that number again 150 million do you realize that that is more people than are actually working in america right now that's a bigger number than the workforce they got everybody that's working and more they got all their information if, if and chances are every, most of the people in here you got popped somebody's got your information right now chances are they're telling you to fix it you got to go do a credit sweep and, and and get your credit and everything changed and get everything locked down that's going to be one of the reasons why this happens so that people can't hack you get your get your information offline so much and get it where people can't steal your identity now that's not the real reason for the chip the real reason for the chip is allegiance to the antichrist but it's never going to be presented as that i say to you again if you ever take the mark of the beast and i'm not saying it's definitely a chip. I personally believe it is I don't think you're going to see people run around with six 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 tattooed on their forehead I Used to give out tracks that had that everybody standing around with six 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 on their forehead. That makes no sense at all I don't think it's going to be a barcode I don't think it's going to be anything that you can externally a barcode doesn't cut it. I think it's the verichip That's my personal opinion now. I can't can't prove this what I think so a chip implant in your hand or forehead begins to be implemented. It doesn't matter why, and it doesn't matter when. Just don't take it. Now, I want to I go here, and, and for those of you who get vexed when I talk about bushcraft or survival, just put your vex meter on hold for a minute because I want to tell you why this is going to be a, a big deal. If you, if, you take, if, you, if you don't take this chip, you're not going to be able to buy or sell anything. You're going to have to move out of your house because you can't afford to stay in it because you can't pay the bill. You can't buy anything, can't make your house payment anymore. You're going to have to get rid of your car because you can't can't make the car payment. It's paid for. You can't pay insurance, can't buy gas for it, can't buy food. You can't buy or sell anything without this chip. So what do you do? You're going to have to pack something up on a backpack, and you're going to have to go live in the wilderness. Pastor, you always talk about this. That's your fantasy. No, it's not. I don't want to go do that. And the reason I don't want to go do that is because I know how to do it. I know how much work it takes. I'm old. That's too much work. I was young. Now I'm old. That's too much work. I don't want to go live in the wilderness. I like to come home. Air conditioner. Light. Food in the refrigerator. Ah. But if this thing kicks in and we're still here. That's what you're going to have to do. Now, there are six things you have to have to survive in a situation like that. I'm going to walk through them. They're not up here. Just listen to me. There are six must have items if you're going to live and survive in a backpack. This is why, and I'm selling you this just to illustrate, not trying to to teach you bushcraft or teach you survival or scare you, but just to illustrate why so many people are going to cave in. They're going to take this. The first thing you have to have to survive in a wilderness off-grid environment is a cutting tool you got to have a knife you you actually have to know what kind of knife to get there's certain knives that'll lend themselves well to survival some that won't then you have to know how not to kill yourself with it then you have to know how to sharpen it how many of you can put a a hair popping edge on a knife with a stone your knife is going to do you good as long as it's sharp Three weeks into the off-grid situation, your knife's going to be as dull as a butter knife. If you don't know how to sharpen it and keep it sharp and keep it honed, you're not going to you're not going to be able to use it. It's not going to do you any good. So you got to have a cutting tool, actually more than one. Second thing you got to have is a combustion device. You have to be able to make fire. Uh, well, I'll just buy a case of big lighters. They will not last. What if they break? What if they all get wet? And even if even if you get a whole case of them, how are you going to carry that many in a backpack? And how long they really going to last for the rest of your life if you have to live off grid So you can't say i'm gonna take big lighters because that's not going to work Well, i'll just get a big ferrocerium rod a big ferrocerium rod is great, but it won't last There are three things that will last in a combustion device one is a magnifying glass As long as you know how to use it with charred material a magnifying glass will last your lifetime if the sun's shining The second thing that's going to last your lifetime is a flint and steel. They have steel strikers from the Viking era that still work. So they will last 200 years. But you have to know how to make char material to use with the flint and steel. And a third thing that will always work is friction primitive fire like a bow drill fire, which I have made hundreds of. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not easy. And if you don't know how, you will never get a bow drill fire to work. On the show alone which come, used, comes on every once in a while on the History Channel, these survival experts compete for half a million dollars. They take 10 of them, they give them 10 items, they put them somewhere alone, they have to film themselves, and they show this on TV, and whoever stays out there the longest in survival mode wins half a million dollars. The problem is it's not true survival, and that's one reason why I would never go on the show, because... Survival doesn't obey game laws and if you're on this show you have to obey the game laws or wherever you are not me I'm not I'm not playing But the last time they did it they took the top 20 and this shows you just how hard it can be to make fire The top 20 these are some of the most well-versed survival experts in the world many of them have their own survival schools Out of all 20 not one were able to make a fire with a bow drill set only one only one was able to get an ember and when he tried to blow it in flame it blew out and went out and he couldn't make it happen so the 20 top in the world people could not make a bow drill fire that's ridiculous it is not that hard to make a bow drill fire all right third thing you need is cordage you got to have rope you got to have cordage but do you know how to tie a trucker's hitch because if you cut your cordage every time you use it, it's not going to take long before you're going to be out of cordage. Cordage is one of the most difficult things to reproduce in nature. It takes forever to weave a cord of any strength out of natural plants. So you've got to have cordage. The next thing you've got to have is cover element. You can go out there and you can build a cover element out of natural material, but you've got to know what natural material to use. You've got to know how to frame it, how to gather the stuff, how to set it up. The next thing you've got to have is containers. What kind of containers should I get? Uh, you have to have metal containers because plastic or other kind of containers aren't going to work. Well, you've got a titanium cook set. That's great, but you can't cook on an open fire with titanium. Your food will burn. You, you have to have stainless steel. Aluminum's not really that good for you, and it's lightweight and it won't last. Tin's not good for you. Cast iron's too heavy, so stainless steel is the way to go. How many? What kind? You need to know this stuff. The last thing you've got to have is confrontation defense, which, which is a fancy word for gun. You need a gun if you're going to survive out in the wilderness. You, you need to have, and the people might be thinking, Pastor, you're kind of going too far with it. No, if, if this chip comes out and none of us can buy or sell, What other options do you have? And the Bible is clear. If it gets to that point, they're going to be looking for you. So you're not going to be able to go into the Colorado Mountains and set up a homestead and start gardening. You're going to have to be moving. Boy, Pastor, this is depressing. No, it's not, because God's going to take care of us if we take care of ourselves. Amen? So the chip implant. Please be aware that when this starts emerging, no matter why they tell you, no matter how good it sounds, and and when you hear it, it, you're going to think, well, this isn't what pastor said. We can still buy and sell. They just want my health insurance information on the chip. Now, what happens when they want something else to go on the chip? And then what happens when they want something else to go on the chip? So my advice to you Never take a chip in your hand or your forehead. Number two, a world leader who brokers peace with Israel. This will be the Antichrist. This will be the Antichrist. Anybody who brokers a peace treaty, I can't say anybody. The Antichrist will be a person who brokers a peace treaty with Israel for a seven-year period of time. Now, I don't know, there may be somebody that will broker, Donald Trump may broker a seven-year peace treaty with Israel, and he might not be the Antichrist. I don't know, but I do know that the Antichrist is going to do this. That's clear in the Bible. So I believe that probably the Antichrist has a good chance of being a great Muslim leader. Never, never thought about that before until recent events prompted me to look again at Islam. But who better to broker a peace deal between Israel and, and, the, and the religion of Islam and all her Arab surroundings than a Muslim leader who's come in the name of Allah to bring peace. You need to look for this, specifically a seven-year peace treaty with Israel. That seven-year peace treaty is going to probably span in complete conjunction with the seven-year tribulation. And I've always believed that, I still do. And that person will be the Antichrist. When the book of Revelation talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the first one, is the white horse whose rider wears a crown. He's given a bow, and he goes out bent on conquest. Some people teach that that's Jesus Christ. That's not Jesus. That's the Antichrist. He's the first seal that opens. So one of the first things that happens early in eschatology and end time prophecy is the Antichrist makes his appearance. Again, you're not, not going to hear him referred to as the Antichrist. You're not going to hear him referred to as, as this evil, wicked, fire-breathing person people thought adolf hitler was the antichrist if i'd been alive back then i'd have been glad to tell them there's no way oh by the way a pair of his underwear sold for over six thousand dollars in america a pair of hitler's underwear sold for over six thousand dollars right here in the united states can you believe that just the most incredible thing i've got some underwear i'd be glad to sell (laughs) Another thing that you need to be looking for in terms of people who make an international appearance, this this individual is going to be the consummate politician at first. He is going to be able to make peace where nobody else has been able to make peace. He is going to be so persuasive, so convincing, and I'm going to tell you, anybody that can make peace between Israel and the Arabs, they're going to be a masterful politician. This guy is going to be able to do that. He will be the antichrist at the three and a half year point of the tribulation halfway through it We know this is hard fact too. halfway through the tribulation. The antichrist is going to break this treaty And at that point he is going to reveal himself He is going to turn against israel and he is going to try to destroy Israel now I read to you earlier jesus referred to something called the abomination that causes desolation a lot of people have have speculated on what that might be i think i know what that is and i think i think i know it from from the bible and i've got i've got a new ipad over here so i would turn to it but it would take me a few minutes to find it and i just don't want to take the time to pretend i'm preaching while i'm looking for something in the new testament one of paul's letters he refers to the day when the, when the Antichrist, or the, the son of perdition, as they call him, or the man of lawlessness, all these things refer to the Antichrist, is going to proclaim himself to be God in the temple in Jerusalem. My personal opinion is that that occurrence is the abomination that causes desolation. Because on the heels of that, the second three and a half years of the tribulation begins which is called the great tribulation or Jacob's trouble. And, and that's going to be bad. There's not going to be any green grass left, no trees, no fresh water. It's all blood. No salt water. It's all blood. Every living thing in the sea dies. That's what's going to happen on our earth during the last three and a half years of the tribulation. Billions of people are going to lay dead all over the world. So this world leader who brings peace is by no means a real peacemaker. Another thing to look for is two men with amazing powers. Uh, these two men will be, will be known as the two witnesses. They might not be called that, but they're going to have power to strike the earth with every kind of plague and destruction anytime they want. And nobody's going to be able to kill them no matter what they do to them. Now, I know this sounds crazy and, oh, that's one of those biblical anomalies, but it's, it's literal and it is going to happen. Now, who are these two guys? Nobody knows some preachers and I could call their names, but I'll be sweet today. Some preachers have said and firmly preached that the two witnesses have to be Enoch and Elijah have to be because they're the only two people that were caught up off the earth and never died. There's one great flaw in that thinking. All the people who get raptured when Jesus comes back Aren't going to die either so it doesn't mean that Elijah and Enoch have to come back and die any more than any of the rest of us who get raptured notice I said us we don't know who the two witnesses are we don't know where they come from we don't know anything about them one one prophecy teacher who I who I have a lot of respect for believes that the two witnesses will stand up at the press conference in the temple where the antichrist proclaims himself to be god Uh, one great great prophecy teacher believes that the the two witnesses will stand up at that press conference in front of the whole world and say we know who you are you're the antichrist and begin to call down fire and strike the earth with plagues right then and there and it'll be seen by the whole world i don't know if that's true it's kind of fun to speculate about but it could happen that way So keep in mind, you're looking for a a world leader and this. See, we think these things are going to happen at at the midpoint of tribulation, but what if they start in year two and we're still here? You see what I'm saying? What if the rapture didn't start, didn't occur before the tribulation? What if they start in year one, year three? What if the midpoint gets here and some of these things, not all these things are going to happen on the same day. The two witnesses are supposed to begin their ministry at the midpoint of tribulation. But there's no guarantee it'll happen on the exact day or at that press conference or anything else It may happen halfway through the third year These these timelines aren't crisp and exact and they're not made so in the bible So i'm just giving you things to be aware of and signs to look for in case we've gotten some of this stuff wrong number three war I know what you're thinking Really pastor we know about war now yeah, but war is going to take, uh, take itself to a whole nother level. One of the four horsemen of the apocalypse has a great sword, and he is riding a red horse. And that rider, that horseman, is war. Fiji water is just the best water in the world. Thank you, Terry Hollis, for always providing me Fiji water. Oh. This will be international at least, international war, Um, possibly World War III. Do you believe World War III is going to happen? There's no doubt World War III is going to happen. It's in the book of Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. There is going to be a World War III. Will it be nuclear? I believe it will. Will it be biological? I believe it will. Will it be chemical? I believe it will. I believe the next great war, every weapon we have will be unleashed. That's what I believe. It's going to take just around Israel, it's going to take seven months to bury the dead. Seven months to bury the dead. Okay. We know from the Bible, this is hard fact, that an army is going to march from the east across the Tigris and the Euphrates River, which are going to dry up for this army. And we know how many soldiers are going to be in that army. 200 million, that number is in the Bible. That's never happened before. So we know for all these preacherists, that Dave and I were talking about earlier who believe that all the prophecies in Revelation have already taken place. There's never been a 200 million man army march in the history of the world. The only nation that could field an army of 200 million soldiers is China. The only one that can come even close. China is gonna march and they're gonna kill a third of the people in the world, this army. It's gonna be an international theater is possibly going to be world war III. i think if china marched across eurasia and europe and killed a third of the people in the world i think that would probably qualify as world war III. russia is going to attack israel that's going to happen and israel is going to destroy russia in one hour that's in the bible i don't have time to look all this up if i did we'd be here till three o'clock but it's going to happen and that's clear in scripture in the Bible. Israel is going to destroy Russia in an, in an hour, at least the armies of Russia. Might not destroy the whole nation, but the armies that come against them. And it's, it will be nuclear. They're going to destroy them completely. I personally believe, as long as the United States, this is my opinion, a lot of people have asked me, Pastor, is America talked about in end time prophecy? The answer is no. We're not in the Bible. Some people think, yes, we are, yes, we are, I know, call on me, I got the answer. It's when Israel is carried away, a remnant of Israel after the Antichrist turns against them, it says that a great eagle carries them away to a place in the desert. And because our national symbol is the eagle, people say, ah, see, eagle, America, America. Well, I tell you what, if you want to stand on that kind of thin ice or prophetic interpretation, more power to you. Could it mean America? Yes. Does it mean America? I don't know, and neither does anybody else. The sad fact is America is not strongly referred to in any hard evidentiary way in the Bible. Personal opinion, personal opinion. As long as we maintain a close relationship with Israel, I don't think we're mentioned because our prophetic timeline is tied to Israel's prophetic timeline as long as we remain their ally. At least that's what I would hope. The other possibility is that America is going to be attacked and destroyed in a nuclear conflagration. Now, I know that doesn't sound very exciting. I know you didn't get up this morning with your bacon and eggs and think, hey, I want to go hear Pastor Roland talk about nuclear devastation in my homeland. (laughs) We hope this doesn't happen. But I do need to tell you, after studying the Bible thoroughly for a long, long time, and after reading in Revelation about the great city Babylon that has hosted merchant ships from all over the world and the whole world grew wealthy from trading with babylon and all of a sudden all of babylon is on fire and all the merchants are weeping i used to think man what city could that be what city could that be and it occurred to me maybe it's not a city at all maybe that's a biblical euphemism for the whole country of america david wilkerson prophesied before he died that he saw the entire city of new york engulfed in flames I don't know if that's true, but it could be. So war that increases in intensity and in scope is something you need to be looking for if the rapture doesn't occur at the beginning of the tribulation. Next, famine. Famine is going to be so bad, it's mentioned as one of the four horsemen. People will be willing to pay a day's wages for a quart jar of wheat or a loaf of bread. A whole day's wages for a loaf of bread. That's how bad it's going to be. Famine naturally follows the devastation of international global mater- uh, military conflict because all the stuff has been blown up, burned up. All the supplies are gone. The ground is parched. It's, the, it's, it's just not a good environment for growing crops during the time of the war. And wars don't always last a few days and they're over. I mean, and, and if you have a nuclear war, you don't want to eat the food in that ground that's been poisoned by radiation. So famine the result of war and upheavals of nature. Number five, plagues. You can expect new and old plagues to emerge and to be resistant to medicines. This is one of the horsemen, the fourth horseman of the apocalypse is death and hell follows close behind him. He rides on a pale horse. The movie Pale Rider with Clint Eastwood was taken from that verse of scripture. Wars, famine, and plague will result in, and I should have added this, but I didn't, in between 1.8 billion dead and 5 billion dead. Before it's over, anywhere between 1.8 and 5 billion people on the earth will be dead from war, from the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and from upheavals of nature. That's a lot of dead folks. Now, the next thing you can look for is the martyrdom of Christians increases. The Bible is very specific about this. And I kid you not, right there in the book of Revelation, the way they are martyred is through beheading. I always thought when I was younger, who's going who's to behead people? Nobody does that anymore. All of a sudden, here comes ISIS. And they just live to saw people's heads off with knives. And they're doing it today to every christian they can find anywhere anywhere in the middle east this is going to continue if you had told me when i was 25 30 years old you had told me that what's happening in the middle east would be happening today i I gotta tell you i just i just wouldn't have believed you and i can't believe there's not more international outcry against it somebody needs to go go over there and, and clean house I mean, they're, they're just torturing people to death. They're, they're trying to create ways, and the Bible talks about that. They invent ways of doing evil, 2 Timothy chapter 3. They invent ways of doing evil, Romans chapter 1. So the martyrdom of Christians is going to increase, and lastly, a great earthquake like none that have ever taken place on the earth is going to happen. Now there's several big earthquakes in revelation and we don't know which one takes place at what time. But if this giant and I'm not guessing on seismic activity, but I would imagine something over a 9 9.2 9.5 happens especially in a populated area, then keep your keep your eyes and your ears open for seismic activity. That's all a part of it. Now, there are some mid-tribulation events that you need to be aware of, too. The two witnesses appear, and they just create havoc in the world. And there should be an E on the end of create, but they, they, they create havoc, <laughs> and they call down plagues. But these are good guys, and they're going to witness, they're going to do their thing for three and a half years, and right before the end of the tribulation, the beast is going to rise up and kill them. And they're they're going to be they're going to be so happy. The world's going to be so happy that the two witnesses are dead. They're going to exchange gifts like it's Christmas. And they're going to leave their bodies in the street and, and refuse to bury them. But three days after they kill them, they're going to come back to life, right in front of everybody. And then they're going to ascend to heaven. So, the two witnesses, something to look for. The Antichrist breaks the treaty and attacks Israel. When the same guy who made the peace treaty breaks the peace treaty and moves to attack Israel, if if we're all still here and we're all still functioning and and society hasn't completely disintegrated, we need to be aware. We see that. We see this happen. Jesus coming has to be like imminent right now. Get ready. You know, the chip in the hand of the forehead becomes mandatory worldwide and it will. You'll be forced to take it, or they'll kill you. That's why we'll be on the run. It will become mandatory worldwide. Now, not everybody's going to take it, and there are going to be some people who are rebels. Just think, we're on Star Wars; would be we'd be fighting with Obi Wan and Luke Skywalker, (laughs) rebels. Where's the rebel camp? I'd love to have one of them speeder bikes. (laughs) That would be so cool. But we'll be rebels. And we'll be living out in the woods, in the mountains, if, that, if, this, if it gets that bad. And again, I hope none of this ever happens. But, but just in case we are here, when the chip in the hand or your forehead becomes mandatory, then you know for sure this is the mark of the beast, and we've got to get out of here. If you, and, and you don't ever take it. But, but when that happens, you know Jesus' coming is like right now. Now, this next one's going to be freaky, but it's in the Bible. Angels are going to be seen all over the world. And this is right in the book of Revelation, and they're doing the same thing. They're preaching the gospel. They're going to be flying through the air in the languages of every person, and they're going to be preaching the gospel all over the world. What are they going to look like, Pastor? I have no idea. Do they have wings? I don't know. They might be on little jetpacks. I don't know. I'd love to have a jetpack. Rocket man. Anyway, anyway. Angels are seen all over the world and they're preaching the gospel. The Bible says that the gospel will be preached all over the world and then the end will come. Just two weeks ago, we discovered a brand new unreached tribe in the Amazon jungle. We didn't know they were there and nobody had ever contacted them before. And the loggers killed a half a dozen of them. So our first contact was, Oh boy, people we've never met. They're in, they're in the way of us cutting down a tree. Let's kill them. Next, there will be an asteroid or a meteor or a comet that crashes to the earth. I believe so. John saw in Revelation a huge mountain all ablaze crash into the sea, and it toxified the ocean. Uh, there will be a massive death of ocean life and the Bible says at one point in the last three and a half years of the tribulation, every living thing in the sea died and there will be no fresh water that you can drink. And there will be no salt water that you can potably turn into fresh water. This is why at this point, the Bible says if those days were not cut short, everyone would perish. But for the sake of the elect, the people of God, those days will be cut short. So, I want to do something now that I normally don't. I want to take a few questions from you, do a little Q&A here. It's uh, seven minutes after 12. Don't want to keep you here a long, long time, but most of the time on Sundays, I don't give an opportunity for Q&A. So if you have a question about something that I've said today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask it real quick, and I'll see if I can't answer it for you. Buffy? I've had people ask me that before, and you know, that's a good question. Um, the Bible does use the word force. It says they will be forced to receive a mark. And I think, I think my personal opinion, the word force there means under threat of death. So you, you get captured, you may have a choice. You take this mark, or we're going to cut your head off. Let them cut your head off. I, I'm not I'm gonna fight I'm gonna bite them if I can't do nothing else I'm gonna bite yeah, I just ain't gonna kneel down there and say okay cut my head off while I sing a hymn I'm gonna try to kill everyone on my can face hell like a man you know them not me <laughs> I really am I'm I, I got a I little piece of advice for you don't ever let anybody tie you up or tape you up or put you in hun- handcuffs die a free man don't let anybody bind you up. Mm-mm, not me. You ain't going to tie me up now. But that's a good question. I think the force will be threat of death. I don't think, I don't think they're going to actually physically force you to take it. And even if they did, if your heart wasn't in that, I don't think, they, I don't think that would. Because it's, it's a heart thing with God always. So I don't think it's about the, the presence of it being there. I mean, don't take it. But I don't think, I think the Bible would let us know that, you know, if it were going to be forcibly put in us, I don't think, I think they're going to want you to consent and the force will be, you take the mark or you die. I think personal, personal opinion, that's what I think. Or the pressure that you can't buy or sell without it and you'll have to go live off the grid and we'll chase you down or whatever. Who knows what form it may take, but I don't, personal opinion, I don't think they'll be able to physically force you and, and that would take away your freedom of choice and God never does that. Okay, somebody else? Question? Bob? That's a great question, you know, and the truth is, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to come off like I know the answer to that. That's, that's one of those things that's, that's going to be held in God's judgment and his sovereignty. That's why he sent me here to tell you, don't take a chip in your hand ever. (laughs) So I'm not going to take a chip. I don't care what they tell me it's for. If I can't get health care, I just won't have health care. I haven't had health care for six or seven years, so it doesn't bother me. I don't have health insurance. hadn't had it for a long time, and and I would have it if I could afford it. But my my uh, premiums now would be like fifteen hundred dollars a month and a fifteen thousand dollar deductible. Why have insurance at all? It's just it's just crazy, you know. I'm not I can't afford that. <clears throat> so I do believe, Bob, if if somebody if somebody did and they didn't really understand it. And when they did come to understand it and they realized what they'd done, if they cut it out before it before it in God's sight, before it became the mark of the beast, God might God might forgive that. But boy, I gotta be careful about telling people that. Because then folks will say, Well, I'm okay to take it until they call it the mark of the beast. No. Just be real careful about that. So that's 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 one of those gray areas that Boy, we just don't know the answer to it, and I'd I'd stay away from it. That's why Roland's never going to take a chip of any kind in his hand or his forehead, no matter why they tell me I have to have it. Just not going to do it. Good question. You guys are asking great questions. Other ones, questions? Okay. That's a good question. The... The Bible talks about the Antichrist is going to try to establish a world, a world order of one government. Everybody says one world government, but it's really a one government world. He's going to try to coalesce political, military, economic, and religious philosophy and policy into a one government world. The Antichrist will do that. I think he'll start doing that as soon as he gets on the international scene. I think that will culminate at the midpoint of the tribulation when he decides, okay, Israel doesn't want to be a part of this, so we're just going to break this treaty with them and we're going to destroy Israel. This, this, everything is going to start out being voluntary, but it's going to end up being mandatory. And the, and the punishment of the breaking the mandatory will be imprisonment, death, whatever. So I think it'll be the mid, around the midpoint of tribulation that he is able to finally... And there will always be rebel factions. He will never get everybody, but he will try. I think somewhere around the midpoint. But there again, these timelines, the older I get, the more I realize, boy, well, these things can overlap. They can be fuzzy. The edges might not be as sharply defined as we thought. So what this whole message is, is really an exercise in, in brutal pastoral honesty to be very real with you and tell you we, we just might not know these things as well as we, the, the spiritual leaders in the country, think we know them. So I'm just being real honest with you. Other question? Good questions. CJ. That's a great question. The question was, do I think the Vatican or the Pope... Could be involved in any of this and there is a possibility yes um islam and catholicism are the two biggest religious groups in the world so when i was younger we were always taught that the that the antichrist would probably be one of the popes that was what was thought then when the european common market came up people started putting together these nations and and people nations falling away and boy that was the beast out of daniel 3 and all this but Nobody really knows about that. So then, then everybody, but everybody thought, boy, it's going to be somebody out of the common market of Europe. Finest Jennings Day, who memorized the Bible in three languages, he, did, he determined through his studies that he believes that the Antichrist will be a Syrian Jew. Don't ask me, but that's what he thinks. So <clears throat> what, is the Catholic Church, is the, is the Pope going to be involved in it? You know, again, there's a lot we don't know. The great, the great prostitute that sits on the many waters could end up being the Catholic Church. We just don't know. So it's, it's possible. This lady's a genius, <laughs> <clears throat> because she asked a question that's rattled around in everybody's mind, and nobody wants to ask. I salute you for your courage. <clears throat> and and the truth is, the truth is, she probably makes an excellent point. I have in my family, well, let me let me rephrase that. I have in my extended, not my personal family, but my extended family, people who are at best agnostic, at worst atheistic. They're going to take the mark of the beast when it comes. If they want to run the risk of being caught, it'll be like hiding the Jews in World War II and the Nazis are looking for them. Same thing. Um, if they want to take, the, run the risk of me coming to their house and hiding, and it's going to be very hard because <clears throat> these drones now have... IR technology infrared you can't escape that unless well you can escape it if you have a land shark if you don't know what a land shark is a land shark is a cover element that you can put on you that hides your heat signature from uh, an infrared or thermal sensor they're 69 dollars you can buy them online but there's you know there's a lot of different ways a lot of different camera slats and modes that cameras have to be able to spot so unless you're living in their house so you live in the woods behind somebody's house and if they're caught feeding you then they could go to prison too so it's going to be between you and the person who has the chip personally me i'm going as far into the wilderness as i can and here's the other thing the reason i'm talking about these six things you got to have you're going to have to be mobile because if you stay in the same place too long, they're going to come get you. So you're going to have to be constantly on the move. And the Bible even talks about that. That's why you've got to get you a good backpack if you want to survive it and fill it up with the right stuff. So good question, though, right here. <clears throat> that is a great question. And I have a good answer for you. I think that God is above all a merciful, loving God. And I think that it is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I think if God is going to judge us in any way, he errs, not that he errs, but he comes down on the side of mercy, grace, and love. And when it comes to impairment, God judges that person based on his perfect knowledge of their mental capacity. The Bible says that we know that the Lord's judgments are right. So God will, God will take care of people that are, that are impaired. And uh, of that, I have no doubt nor worry. God's going to be righteous and just in all his judgments regarding that. Shannon, good question, though. That's a great question. <clears throat> I've done an end time series here where I get into all this in great detail. It takes about eight weeks, 10 weeks to go through the end time series. I've done it, I don't know, half a dozen, ten to, t- you know, eight or 10 times over the 22 years Pastor Don and I have been here. And in this end time series, I deal with this question. And the answer is, <clears throat> there are still A lot of people alive on not everybody dies during the tribulation and I'll tell you this during the tribulation there's going to be one of the greatest revivals that you've ever seen in your life especially after the rapture when Jesus appears in the sky and the whole world sees him you talk about church you ain't gonna be able to find a seat in the church that next Sunday probably that same night everybody's gonna be in church Everybody's gonna be worshiping and praying you ain't never seen an altar service like that But not everybody dies and not everybody is Completely sold out to Christ and across a thousand years a whole bunch of new people are born This is not the same people It's a thousand year span of time And some of these people that are born the Bible says that Jesus is going to rule with a rod of iron So there's not going to be a lot of Liberty so some of these people that are born, and maybe some that are still, still alive, that have passed on, really all new generations are going to be here. So when Satan is let loose, he's going to deceive the children and grandchildren of the people who survived the Great Tribulation. Does that answer your question? Okay. <laughs> I won't throw a dart at you for asking a second question. No. There are, going to be, there are going to be three or four different types of beings on the earth during the 1,000 year millennial reign. Those of us who've raptured, been raptured, and gone to be with Jesus, we have come back with him to fight the battle of Armageddon. We're in glorified eternal bodies. Okay? Then there are people who are here that survived the tribulation and they live through it and they're decimated and yet. They survive somehow. There are going to be those people. So there's going to be spiritual beings. There's probably going to be angels visible because they've been on the earth preaching the gospel. So you've got angels. You've got people in glorified bodies that have been raptured and returned to the earth. You've got normal human beings that live through the tribulation and are having children. Now, those of us who have been raptured, you know, the Bible does say that in our glorified state, There won't be marriage and giving in marriage, but we will not be in heaven. We'll be on the new earth or on the earth with Jesus on the earth, not the new earth yet, but on the earth with Jesus during the thousand year millennial reign in glorified bodies, along with people who survived the tribulation and their offspring. So they're going to be normal humans on the earth during the 1000 year millennial reign. And after a thousand years, you know, a bunch of people get born, So those are going to be the people that Satan deceives when he's let loose for a little while. I personally don't even understand why Satan is let loose for a little while. But I guess it's to prove, give those, it may be to give those kids a chance to decide who they're going to serve. And then everything is, everything's redone. The whole, the earth is remade and all that. Good question, Bob. Bob. (laughs) My question is based on my the Not uncertain. Uncertain, yeah. That's a good question, and my answer to that is I believe that the body of Christ, since Jesus' resurrection, I believe that we have been considered the wild olive branches that have been engrafted into Israel. I don't think God at this point shows a differentiation between Jew and Gentile anymore. I think if you're part of the body of Christ, you're part of the body of Christ. So my personal opinion is the elect in the book of the Revelation is anybody who's a sold-out, born-again child of God. That's who the elect are, okay? Okay, the 144,000 are Jews. They are 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. They start their ministry early in the first year of of the tribulation, I believe, and their whole purpose is to go all over the world, and they do nothing but evangelize. You, and they have they're sealed in their forehead with some kind of seal from god and they can't be harmed they don't marry they're never been, been all of them are male virgin males never been married and they're they're uh, celibate and all they do is witness and win people to, to christ that's in the book of revelation but those are physical jews okay these are great questions I'm, i got time for one more and we'll shut it down one more one last question going once going twice okay Buffy that's a great question be careful how i answer this it depends and, I, and I, I mean that it depends on whether or not the united states military is still a functional entity and turns against its own people or whether the united states military complex is destroyed that's a huge thing and here's why i say that there is no way any group of people no matter how large you could take every single person in the united states all 330 million and pit them against the u.s military in a battle we would all die okay within within hours we'd all be dead so you can't beat the military if the united states military complex exists and turns against us and tries to enforce the mark of the beast or any of this stuff you will not do well in large groups you'll have to take your family and go This is why every person in here needs to know survival skills. And I'm serious about that. People always want to roll their eyes at me. You do what you want. I know how to survive in the wilderness now. All I need is a good knife. That wouldn't be easy, but I could do it. If I got my 10, there are are actually 12 items that that I'm going to have with me. Six you got to have and six more make it easy. And uh, I do teach that in my survival and bushcraft classes but I don't have one on the schedule right now. If, however, the United States military complex has been decimated and it's, America's basically a wasteland and somehow we survived it, then by far the best thing to do is get in groups of people where every person has a contributing skill set to the survival of the whole. You'll do better as a group than you will as just individual families. Now, how large the group becomes an issue there's a point of diminishing return with that and i'll tell you something else all you guys out there that hunt and fish you're not going to feed your family hunting and fishing you just not the uh i love to hunt i'm under no illusions i've been studying trapping for a long time that's how you feed your family you feed your family by owning a trap line the all the deer are going to be gone anyway you're going to have to eat animals that are lower on the on the scale of desirability you know lizard soup might not be a bad thing if you if you're hungry you know but the idea that we're going to go out on the back 40 and just shoot a deer every few weeks that's not going to happen you're going to have to have hunting and fishing is great but if you don't have real bushcraft skills and real survival skills and you don't know how to trap animals you're going to starve to death so you if you watch the show alone every single one of them run into that very problem they all they lose 40 pounds and they all went several of them had to go home last round because they were starving to death so that shelter and starvation are the two things that all those people run into but that's a great question so if the military complex is up and running Get your family and head to the woods. If the military complex is decimated, the America's been nuked and everybody is a free-for-all, get away from any city as quickly as you can and go out to the, to the countryside and find high ground close to a water source and I hope you got some know-how to defend yourself and keep yourself hidden away if you can. If, 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 if we're devastated, then we get together in a group I wouldn't want a group much larger than this one. I think this is about as big a group as you could have and, and make it easy to survive. And then you'd have to move because you're going you're gonna to catch all the animals for food out of the, out of the area where you are in, in, a, in, a few, in a few weeks. There's also a place called Survival Seed Bank that you can order heirloom seeds in a PVC pipe and you can plant them. And because they're heirloom, you can get the seeds out of those plants and plant them more plants actually one thing of heirloom seeds will last you and your family a lifetime of vegetables because heirloom seeds will grow again uh hybrid seeds won't reproduce you get a hybrid cucumber take the seeds out of it and plant it won't do you any good it's like a mule a mule is a cross between a donkey and a horse mules can't reproduce they're all sterile any hybrid is sterile so a hybrid plant is sterile it has to be a uh Heirloom plant. All right. It's 1230. We've gone long, and let's all stand.